0: Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim wa al Gareem. Alhamdulillah. Today is the 4th of April in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 13th blessed day of the holy month of Ramadan. And I've reached verse 12 of Surah Al Maidah. So inshallah today, going through, up to and including verse 13. So verse 12, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did a four-time, take a covenant from the children of Israel, and we appointed twelve chiefs amongst them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I am with you. If you establish the salah, pay the zakat, believe in my messengers, honor and assist them and loan to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a beautiful loan. Verily I will wipe out from you your evils and admit you to gardens with rivers flowing underneath. But if any of you after this disbelieves, he has truly wounded from the path of rectitude. So who's being referred to here? So there's a report. So this is recorded in Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Jarir, and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abdullah ibn Abbas, hima, he said, this occurred when Musa alayhi salatu wa salam went to fight the mighty enemy, i.e. in Jerusalem. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded him to choose a leader from every tribe. Hassan al Basri also said similar. This is in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. So, the covenant which is being referred to here, according to the Salaf, is that when Musa wasala, had come out of the wilderness finally, or he was leaving, and he gave a command to go towards Jerusalem, and 12 of the people were appointed as the chiefs. So the covenant is referring to this. But it's important to point out, for census purposes, the names of the elders of the tribes are given in the Bible, in Numbers 1-4-16. to They are called everyone the head of the house of his fathers. But later, 12 other heads of the children of Israel were selected to spy out the land of Canaan. Their names are mentioned in Numbers 13 116. So what's interesting, according to the Bible, this there was two instances where twelve were appointed. And according to the Bible, the twelve that were appointed were the second, i.e., when they were going towards the land of Canaan. And the names are also given in the Bible. So what was the covenant? So in Ibn Jadir and Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, Hassan Al Basri, Rahmatullahi, he explained the covenant is in reference i to this verse. So the covenant, and he recited Surah 2 verse 40. So in Surah Al Baqarah, Surah 2 verse 40, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala mentions there. O children of Israel. Call to mind the special blessing which I bestowed upon you and fulfill your covenant with me as I will fulfill my covenant with you and fear none but me. So Hassan al-Basri said the covenant is here referring to verse 12 where Allah appointed the 12 chiefs the, uh, Musa wasalam, and the command was given which is mentioned in this verse. So now this covenant which is mentioned briefly here Details are given. So, in Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, Volume 3, page 142 of the English translation, Hafiz Ibn Kathir, he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states that Musa alayhi salatu wa salam, encouraged the Bani Israel to perform jihad and enter Jerusalem, which was under their control during the time of their father Ya'qub, alayhi salatu wa salam. So this is important. Musa salatu wasalam, didn't go because he passed away just before this. But he gave the command and Jerusalem was actually in control of the believers in the time of Ya'qub. salatu <coughs> So he said, enter the, the city. Ya'qub salatu wasalam, and his children later moved with his children and household to Egypt during the time of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. So this is how they moved. So obviously Yusuf, the narrative, he became the kind of the ruler of Egypt. And he called his father over. So he left. So this is how and why they left Jerusalem. His offspring remained in Egypt until their eventual exodus with Musa. They then found a mighty strong people in Jerusalem who had previously taken it over. Musa a.s. ordered the Bani Israel to enter Jerusalem and fight the enemy. And he promised them victory and triumph over the mighty people if they did so. They declined, rebelled and defied his order and were punished for 40 years by being lost, wandering in the land uncertain of where they should go. This was their punishment for defying the command of Allah subhanahu wa Taala. So we're going to get to this inshallah. So in verses 20 and 26 of Surah Maida maidah Allah Ta'ala discusses this. But here Ibn Kathir gives the summary. So they didn't listen to Musa alayhi salatu And because of that they were now wandering, lost in this desert for 40 years. They defied the command of Musa alayhi salatu So now looking at the verse very briefly. Surah 2 verse 40. That is the covenant. So in Surah 2, verse 40, something very interesting is highlighted. So if you look at the verse, Allah says, O children of Israel, O children of Israel, remember the blessing which are bestowed upon you. So Imam Qurduli said something very interesting here, Rahmatullah so Imam Kurdubi in his tafsir, he states Those with the precise grasp of the use of language they say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala connected blessings to the Bani Israel but did not mention that regarding the Ummat of Muhammad sallallahu Rather he says to the Ummat of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa azkurkum.'" Remember me, and I will remember you. Thus the other ummats look from the blessing to the blesser. Whilst the ummat of Muhammad looks from the blesser to the blessing. So this is the quote. So what was Imam Kurta be highlighting, rahmatullahi The huge difference between the previous ummats and this ummat. Allah says clearly in this verse that... Remember the blessing I gave to you. So the difference is, Allah t'ala tells us, Remember me and I will remember you. So the previous ummits, they were told to look from the blessing. So whatever Allah t'ala gives, look at that. And that will take you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But for this ummah, Allah t'ala says, look at me. I will give you. There's a huge difference between the two. Remember me and I will remember you. But when he talked to the Mani Israel, he said, what did he say? He said, O children of Israel, remember the blessing which I have upon you. Don't, don't look at me, look at my blessing. So this means that we have been given a very special status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's easily missed. If you don't look at the, the verse with clarity. And also the covenant. So, what exactly is the covenant? So, Ibn Kathir in his tafseer, volume 1, page 206 to 7, he explains. So, he quotes the verse, Surah 2, verse 40. He explains, My covenant that I took from you concerning Rasulullah when he is sent to you, so that I grant you what I promised you. If you believe in him, follow him. I will remove the chains and restrictions that were placed around your necks because of the errors that you committed. Mm. This is in Ibn-i Ibn-i tafsir. So what was one of the covenants? They were told to follow Rasulullah if he arrived. Mm. He says, if you believe in him and follow him, if he arrives, I will remove the hardships for you. Then Ibn-i said, other scholars, they said, the covenant is what Allah Ta'ala took from them in the Torah in that he will send a great prophet, meaning Muhammad from the children of Ismail who will be obeyed by all people. Therefore, whoever obeys him, Allah will forgive his sins, enter him into paradise and award him two rewards. So the Torah mentioned, follow Rasulullah Abu Al-Ali said in Ibn Jarir Ibn Kathir's Tafsir wa bi fulfill my covenant with you means his covenant with his servants is to embrace Islam and to adhere to it. So that's another meaning. <laughs> Ibn Abbas said, I fulfill my obligations to you means I will be pleased with you, admit you into paradise. Because if you look at the verse, Surah 2, verse 40, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wa aufu bi ahdi bi fulfill your covenant with me. I will fulfill my covenant with you. So what was Allah's last covenant? Allah's last covenant was, I will be pleased with you, I will enter you into paradise. Hmm. And Ibn Abbas also said about the verse, farhabun. Hmm. Fear me and me alone means, fear the torment that I might exert on you, just as I did with your fathers, like the mutation. This is in Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Katir's Tafsir. So Allah says at the end of the verse, <laughs> He goes, fear me and fear me alone. Meaning if you don't, you know what happened to your forefathers. They were turned into monkeys and swines for their disobedience. So Ibn Kathir, he concluded by saying, this verse contains encouragement followed by warning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first called the children of Israel using encouragement. Then he warned them so that they might return to the truth. So this is the full quote, putting it very simply. There's two parts to the covenant. What is the covenant that the Bani Israel had to fulfill? They had to do this. They had to embrace Islam. They had to believe in the Prophet They had to believe in the Prophets They had to honor and assist the Prophets. Look how interesting, assist, meaning don't question them. (laughs) They were told to establish the salat, give the zakat and give a beautiful loan. That is the covenant of the Bani Israel. Then it says, Allah goes, I will fulfill my covenant to you. What does that mean? I will remove your errors. I will remove your chains. I will remove your restrictions. I will forgive your sins. I will give you two rewards. And I will be pleased with you. I will enter you into paradise. So all of that is the meaning of the covenant. Which is being referred to. In Surah 2 verse 40. But in particular the verse that we're going through. Surah 5 verse 12. So this was the covenant being referred to here. But at the end of the verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. But if any of you after this disbelieves." He has truly wounded from the path of rectitude. Meaning, you have left the straight path. Mm. Verse 13. Because of their breach of their covenant. So look how amazing. Allah the told them what to do. They broke the covenant. Mm. So now he's telling them, because of their breach of their covenant, we cursed them. We made their hearts grow hard. They changed the words from their place. And they forget a good part of the message that was sent to them. Nor will you cease to find them bored a few, ever bent on new deceit. But forgive and overlook. For Allah loves those with excellence. So what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in the next verse? They broke the covenant. So what does he mention immediately? What happens when they broke the covenant? They were cursed. Hmm. Then he says, Their hearts grow, grew hard. So now here, this is a very important point to So, Hafiz Ibn Ibn Taymiyah, he wrote a work called "Ikhda As sirat al-Mustaqim." So, in page twenty-seven of the English translation, he quotes a passage, and we're going to get to that passage, Surah fifty-seven, verse sixteen, where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says. Has not the time come for the hearts of those who believe to be affected by the remembrance of Allah and that which has been revealed of the truth, lest they become as those who received the scripture before and the term was prolonged for them and their hearts hardened. So what does it say in that verse in belief? So in Surah al hadid Surah 57 verse 16, Allah Ta'ala says, isn't it time for you to remember, to soften, to obey? Otherwise, you will become like the people who received the scripture before. And what does he say? And their hearts became hard. So now, what's interesting? Sheikh ibn Uthaymin, Rahmatullah in his work, Sharh Iqtida'a Sirat al Mustaqim, he mentions there, page 154. What points to this? is the statement of allah and he recited this verse verse 13 of surah maida because of them breaking their covenant we cursed them we made their hearts hard he then explained what is derived from this is that obedience is a reason for the hearts to become soft so this is a very important point somebody says i need to have a soft heart so i can absorb the revelation so Shaykh ibn Ufaymin he said obedience softens the heart when you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. then he said the more a person is abundant in obedience the softer his heart becomes softening of the heart is the objective of every Muslim why? because if it becomes hard and Allah's refuge is sought one will not be afraid as it relates to punishments, nor will they rejoice as it relates to rewards. So mm. stop with the quote. What's the sign of a hard heart? You mentioned the threat of health. Doesn't affect them. In fact, they go to an even more wretched state, they mock. Mm. Because, yeah, 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 I've heard it all before. Mm. Why they, Why are they in that state? Because their hearts have become hard. Mm. And when you mention the rewards, They don't get happy. Because you will get a paradise. Because yeah, yeah. So let me ask you a question. How many Muslims in that state? You mentioned paradise. They're on their phone. Mention the punishments of hell. They're on their hearts have become hard. Ibn Ibn said Rahmatullah. Then he says, the verses that mention the promise or his punishment will be recited to him. And in his heart, they will make no distinction between the two. May Allah Ta'ala protect us all from this. Amen. So look how amazing. Sheikh ibn Uthaymeen looks at this verse, verse 13. And who is it talking about? It's talking about the Bani Israel. They broke the covenant. What does that mean? They disobeyed. What does Allah Ta'ala say? The very first thing he says, what happened to them? Their hearts became hard. That's all he says. Then he discusses, they started doing other mischievous things. Why does he mention that first? They're doomed. What cause they do? Disobedience. Disobedience leads to kufr. You disobey a direct command of a prophet of God. A. So a person goes, well I'm not like that. So Ibn Uthaybin then told you, these are the signs. Paradise doesn't move you, you don't get happy. Hellfire, not interested. The hearts have become heart, meaning... You are now in the exact same state as the Bani Israel. In other words, it's not affecting you. (laughs) So what happens? You are now doomed. (laughs) Because revelation is an impact. So now let's turn to that verse, Surah 57, verse 16. So in Surah 57, verse 16, Allah Talat mentions (laughs) there, Surah Hadith, Surah 57, verse 16. And this is the verse which many people used to repent. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Has not the time arrived for the believers that their hearts in all humility should engage in dhikrullah and of the truth. They should not become like those to whom we gave revelation before. Long time passed over them their hearts grew hard. Many amongst them were Farsi keen. So this verse, now look how interesting. In Sahih Muslim, number 3027, Nasa'i Ibn Kathir's tafsir Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud said, Only four years separated our embracing Islam and the revelation of this verse in which Allah subtly admonished us. So what's happened? Ibn Mas'ud embraced Islam in the first year. This verse was revealed in the fourth year of Makkah. What did Ibn Masud say? Allah was giving a slight warning to who? The Sahaba. Somebody goes, man. Who was he warning? Muhajirun. <laughs> so who was Allah talking to? Has not the time arrived for the believers that their hearts in all humility should engage in the dhikr of Allah? Otherwise your hearts will become hard. Ibn Masood goes, he was warning us. Then in Nasa'i, Ibn Masood said, so the Muslims began to rebuke each other. So when that verse was revealed, look how beautiful. The Sahabah start saying to each other, what's the matter with you? Because why are you being affected? Mm. They were rebuking each other, saying, look, this Allah has warned us. Mm. Abdullah ibn Umr in Abu Nu'im al Hiliyah, whenever he came across this verse, he would burst into tears. Mm. This is in Al-Isabah, volume 2, page 349, Hayat al So look at the impact. Whenever they came across this verse, they felt that they weren't keeping up to the standard. Because in other words, Allah, Allah is going to destroy us. He's going to harden our hearts and we're going to go down the path of the Badi Israel. And also, in Ibn Imajah, number 4192, Abdullah ibn Zubair, he said, there was only a distance of four years between Islam and the revelation of this verse in which Allah tala reprimanded us. So, how do you soften the heart? So, there's a report on the hadith is in Talbadi and Imam Malik's Muwatta. Luqman alayhi salam, he told his son, he says, oh my son, make it obligatory for yourself to sit with the people of knowledge for just as Allah gives life to a dead land with rain he gives life to a dead heart with the people of knowledge so look at the priceless advice Luqman a.s. gave to his son he goes you need to treat this as a farad meaning it's not but you treat it as a farad <laughs> sit with the people of knowledge he goes what happens even if your heart is dead, it will come back to life. So what was he saying? He was saying, this is a tremendous impact upon the hearts of the individuals. And it's true. Even if you don't learn anything from the pious, keeping their company affects you. Right? In fact, there's a report which mentions, nothing is more beneficial for the heart than the company of the righteous. Now, how interesting is that? Right? That's why the companions were called companions, because they kept the companionship of the Prophet mm. And also this verse, this is a very interesting report. In Behaqi, in his Shu'ab al-Iman, number 7217, Ibn al-Mubarak in his youth, عليه, went to the park to play the flute. So Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak was, a, was one of the giants of this ummah. But in his youth, he was a big wayward. And he had a flute. So he'd go to the recreation place to play the flute. When he got to the recreation place, the flute, subhanAllah, recited this verse. He then repented. (laughs) So imagine he goes with the flute, you know, to play some music or something. He gets to the place and the flute recites this verse. Has not the time arrived for the believers that their hearts in all humility should engage in the remembrance of Allah? He broke the flute. So imagine, he hears the flute and the flute warned him and then how great did he become? Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak For This was his yearly worship Six months he would teach uh, Sorry, six months he would do jihad and, and the other he would do hajj mm-hmm. And he was the only unblemished narrator in the hadith corpus mm-hmm. Nobody found a fault with him, Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak And a flute changed him, but the flute decided this verse mm-hmm. Then you got Fudehle ibn Iyad, who's he? Fudehle ibn Iyad was Imam Shafi's teacher. He was, a, you know, another great saint. How did he repent? So questioned him and he said, in Ibn Qudama in his Kitab, At-Tawwabin, he goes, I was a bandit. <laughs> he goes, I used to go down robbing. I had a gang with me and we could, we found a, a person, we would rob him. So he goes, one night, because we, we locked onto this house. He goes, I went. He goes, it was middle of the night and I crept in and all of a sudden I heard the Quran. So he goes, I sneaked to see what was happening. And he goes, the owner was offering tahajjit. And he goes, and I heard him decide this verse in tahajjit. Has not the time arrived for the believers that their hearts in all humility should engage in the remembrance of Allah? And he goes, I staggered. And I said, yes, it's time. And he goes, I then left the house and I went. And then he says, I did Tawbah. So as if that night Allah inspired that man to change. So this verse had an impact upon him. So why am I mentioning this? This is the impact the Quran should have on people. So the question is then posed to every believer. Because Allah is talking to the believers has not the time alive in other words when we say when you know how many times do people say when are you going to change Allah is asking you that question when right and eventually they say the penny will drop so now all the things mentioned here now this is very dangerous in surah 41 verse 30 In Surah 41 verse 30, Allah Ta'ala mentioned something and this should send a shiver down the spines. So what does it say? In the case of those who say, our Lord is Allah, and they remain steadfast. The angels descend, fear not, do not grieve, receive the glad tidings of paradise which you have been promised. So, this is the verse. So, what is the condition? This is a hadith. The hadith is in Tirmidhi, Hassan Sahih ibn Majah Ahmad, Sufyan ibn Abdullah al Thakafi radiyallahu relates, I asked, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inform me of something that I can adhere to. The Prophet ﷺ said, Say, my Lord is Allah. Then remain steadfast. Boli bali right? So what did the Prophet ﷺ say to the Saab? He asked for advice. He goes, say. Like the Quran says, Say, your Lord is Allah. But then what does Allah tell us? Remain steadfast. So the Prophet ﷺ said, You now need to remain steadfast. So, do people remain steadfast? No. In a hadith in Nasai, Tirmadi, number 3261, Ibn Abi Hatim Ibn Jarir, Anas relates that the Prophet ﷺ said, Many people call Allah their Lord, but most of them become unbelievers. Then he said sallallahu Wasallam, wa staqamu remaining steadfast is he who remains firm on this creed till his death. Look at the warning the prophet given. Because most people, they don't remain steadfast. They do the easy bit. La da illa Muhammad Rasulullah. And everybody's hugging them. <laughs> then what happens? Right? Somebody goes, and you see people, they lose their steadfastness. The Prophet goes, most will lose their steadfastness. They will lose their iman. He didn't even say they'll become weak. Then he said, those who remain steadfast are those who remain till their death. That is the difficult part. So now, Umar the hadith is in Ahmad in his Zuhd, Ibn Jarir, Ibn al-Mubarak and others. He recited this verse, Surah 41, verse 30. He then said, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the steadfast are those who remain firm on the obedience to Allah and did not run from place to place like foxes. Mm-hmm. So, Umar was saying at the pulpit of the Prophet he goes, that's not steadfastness. Mm-hmm. You know, like you see a fox, one minute is hot, one minute is cold, one minute is under the Buddha, one minute is ah. Uh, he mm-hmm. goes, "Steadfastness means, means commitment. Why do you think Allah, Allah has given you five prayers a day? Mm-hmm. Was one of the reasons. Commitment. Show me that you're committed. Oh, I do two a day. Sometimes I do three. Sometimes I do one. I might get Juma in every now and again. Is that commitment? Right? So Allah last saying, Istiqamah. The Prophet asked, told the Sahaba, believe and then remain steadfast. Also. So now, how do you remain steadfast? So there's a very easy formula to get into your life. Surah 3 verse 8. So if you look at Surah 3 verse 8, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He gives you a gift. So at the beginning of Surah Ali Imran, there's a very famous dua where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us la tuzi kurubana ba'da i the hadma in nakal wahhab. O our Lord. Do not let our hearts deviate after you guided us. Grant us mercy from your own presence. You are the most generous bestower. Famous dua. What's the dua? Oh Lord, do not cause our hearts to deviate after you've guided us. Istiqama. You're praying for istiqama. Give us help. But there's a hadith. The hadith is in Ibn-i Abi Hatim, ibn Ibn Jadir Ibn-i tafsir. Um Umm Salamah, Mother, R.A., she did it. Rasulullah used to frequently make this dua. So the Prophet is explaining something here. He added a dua. He goes, Oh, the turner of hearts, make my heart firm on your deen. Then he would recite this dua. Oh, our Lord, do not out- let our hearts deviate after you have guided us. Grant his mercy. Question. Would you consider this dua to be sunnah or fard? Bhali <laughs> bali musliman. Right? Don't even know the dua. <laughs> right? Somebody goes, istiqam is the most difficult thing. I need every help, every aid possible. What greater help can there be than Allah Ta'ala giving you a gift. He's giving you a dua. Do you make that dua? And the Prophet added a dua to it. And this is why our mother, Umm Salama, she said, the most frequent dua the Prophet would make is, Ya Muqallib Al-Qurub, Thabbit Qalbi Al-Hadilik, or the turner of hearts, make my heart firm on your deen. And also, there's another dreaded state to finish there's actually another verse where Allah says, Oh my Lord, do not make me a fitna for the unbelievers. So I looked at that. How can the Muslim become a fitna for the unbeliever? The Quran is telling you that. It's not the unbeliever being a fitna because the believer don't make me a Muslim be a fitna for the unbeliever. The authorities explain that doa that statement of the Quran. They state that you leave the deen, you apostatize, your istikama erodes. Then what happens? A person's giving da'wah to a brother, he's convincing him, and then suddenly he sees that clown. And he goes, "Well, what's the point of me becoming Muslim? He used to be a Muslim. Who's become the fitna? That clown, right? He's destroyed all the da'wah." he goes, I don't want to be end up like him it's pointless if there was any good in this religion he goes he would have remained firm so Allah Ta'ala is telling you to make that dua don't make me become a fitna for the unbeliever so why am I mentioning all this because look at the verse we're going through the Bani Israel what happened to them they broke their covenant Allah Ta'ala goes I cursed them what was the result of that curse their hearts grew hard so he goes okay what does that mean then look what they started doing. The Quran continues. They change the words from their places and they forget a good part of the message that was sent to them. There's a report. In Ibn jarir Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Mujahid recited this portion of verse 13. wala tazalu tattaliu ala minhum. Nor will you cease to find them ever bent upon deceit. Mujahid explained, refers to their plot to kill Rasulullah Look at how ill they became. We mentioned yesterday what they were trying to do to the Prophet. Let's drop the millstone on him. You won't get a better chance. How did their hearts end up in that state? Because disobedience, disobeying, defiance. They became worse, the worst of the worst. So Allah, Allah said, they like this. They're always bent upon deceit. Isn't it true? Look at the world. Who's causing the most mischief in the world now? Bani Israel. Because they got the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then Allah, Allah look how beautiful. He tells his beloved, وصفح, forgiven it is, overlook. Allah Ta'ala loves those who are excellent. <laughs> so after mentioning the scum of the earth, Allah Ta'ala turns to his beloved. He goes, You be the complete opposite. Ignore them. They're trying to kill you, ignore it. <laughs> they're causing, you know, they're making mockery, ignore them. Allah Loves the Excellent Ones, the Muhsins. Mm-hmm. So I understand it again, subhanAllah. And just to add this story, when they were cursed, three things started happening to the Bani Israel, and you can still see it now. Number one, they began to misuse scripture itself by either taking words out of their right meaning or applying them to things for which they were never meant. When they do that? Jesus is the son of God. Where does it say that? It's between the lines and it's in the Bible. Right? Muhammad's mentioned in the Quran, Jews say no, he isn't. He's mentioned by name. So what do they do? The Quran is they misuse in scripture. Second thing they start doing. They conveniently forgot a part of the message, the purpose that Allah gave the message to them. They made it into a blood thing. We are the children of prophets. God loves us. Allah goes, if Allah loves you, wish for death. And the third, they invented new deceits to support their old deceit. They always make causing mischief in the world. What does Allah say in Surah Baqarah? He says, they say, the Bani Israel, we are the peacemakers. Allah says, these are the mischief mongers. They are not the peacemakers. So again, note the Quran is exposing them. But we're studying Quran. So I'll recite the verse. And we will. بسم الله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد أخذ الله ميثاق بني إسرائيل وبعثنا منهم ثني عشر نقيبا وقال الله إني معكم لإن أقمتم الصلاة وآتيتم الزكاة وآمنتم برسولي وَأَزَّرْتُمُوهُمْ وأقرتم الله قَرضًا حسنا لَأُكَفِّرَنَّ عنكم سيئاتكم ولا جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار فمن كفر بعد ذلك منكم فقد ضلل سوار السبيل فبما نقضهم ميثاقهم لَعَنَّاهُمْ وجعلنا قلوبهم قاسية يحرفون القلم عن مواضعه ونسوا حزن مما ذكروه وَلَا تَزَالُ تَتَّلِئُ عَلَىٰ خَائِنَةٍ مِّنْهُمْ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِّنْهُمْ فَأَفُوا عَنُهُمْ وَصْفَحْ إِنُّ اللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ We pray to Almighty Allah that He makes the Qur'an the be of our hearts. We pray to Almighty Allah that He the Qur'an which Behind these women, the Lahoma Behammed, the actual line